You're listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. Hey, so why do you go to church? Why are you here today? Why are you here? um, Was there something on the video that resonated with you that made me feel like, yeah, this is why I come to Forefront? Why are you here? You don't have to tell me at once. <laughs> um, no, no, hey, listen, are you here because uh, uh, you want to grow closer to God? I mean, I, that's why I come to church. I want to grow closer to God. I want to learn a little bit. I definitely want to do that. Uh, are you here because you need to be comforted? There's something painful in your life, and it helps to be at a place like this. Is it community? I think for a lot of us, it's community. Why are we here? Um, there's a Gallup poll that asks this very specific question. Why do you go to church? say for spiritual growth and guidance. 20% says it keeps me grounded. 15% says it's my faith. 15% says to worship God. 13%, the fellowship of other members of the community, which I think for us it's higher. 12% believe in God. 12% are brought up that way. 4% other. And then I love the 1%. It's like, no, no reason. Um, I, I just, you know, just here, you know. Uh, why do you come to church? So here's the other question I have for you today, all right? Why do you come to church? Does church make you alive? Do you feel alive being a part of the church community? Do you? I've always been pretty honest about me and my spiritual journey, right? As the leader of this church, I have stood up here a lot of times and I've said to you guys, uh, I doubt or I'm having a hard time praying right now or I'm struggling with my faith. And what I can tell you is this, when I'm struggling with my faith, like when things are not good for me and I feel like I don't know if God's there and all that, I, I, I realize that it's not like some giant event that has made me feel that way. I realize what it is, is it's this waxing and waning that comes from the rest of my life not looking like it does when I'm here on Sunday. And, and what I mean by that, I don't mean it in a way that, that you know, is, I don't know, the way I was brought up, where it was like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and your faith is good. It's not like that. What I mean is that too often when my faith is, is like waning and, and, and slow, it's because I'm sitting back. It's because I'm, I'm amassing information it's because I'm sitting there and I'm saying, teach me, I want to learn instead of learning to do something. Learning to. That is when my faith is at its weakest. My, uh, my daughter wanted to go to Taekwondo and uh, she didn't know if she wanted to take the classes or not. Uh, and so we go there and she's watching the kids and they're doing like kick punch combinations and they're counting to 10 in Korean. It was really, really cool. And my daughter goes, dad, I don't have to do this. And I go, why not? She goes, I know how to do it. <laughs> and I went, you know how to do it? And she goes, I go, how do you know how to do it? And she goes, I just watched everybody and I know how to do it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. I was thinking, like, what if I, like, 10,000 hours. That's Malcolm Gladwell's, like, expert. Num- uh, num- 10, 000, what if I spent 10,000 hours reading uh, books about this plane, the 747. You guys know what a 747 is? And I just read all about 747s, you know, 10,000 hours. I, I bought little models of 747s. I knew each part. I knew all the mechanics of the 747. And what if I procured a 747? And I said to you guys today, hey, do you want to fly with me on my 747? You guys would say, have you ever flown the plane? And I would say, no, I never flew the plane, but I read 10,000 hours and I know all the parts, and everybody, but I didn't fly the plane. You guys would be like, no, you're an idiot. That's what you would say, right? We come to church. Yeah, yeah. You didn't even need to answer that and you did. Um, we come to church and we say, we, we know what this Christianity thing is. We know it. 
And yet our faith is going to wax and then it's going to wane and it gets worse and it gets more difficult because all of a sudden, you know, we can sit there and only amass so much information before we actually have to do something about it. And I promise you, I can always tell people who are in a crisis of faith because when we're in a crisis of faith, it's like I've finally gotten enough information that this thing doesn't make the sense that I used to think it made. And now I have this crisis of faith. Maybe I shouldn't go to church. And my answer a lot of times is maybe it's time to do something. Maybe it's time to start putting this faith into practice. You know, there's people who are like, I don't get it, this Black Lives Matter movement, it just doesn't make any sense to me, this, everybody seems overzealous, and the big question is, well, have you ever talked to somebody who has been oppressed because of the color of their skin? Have you done that? Have you heard their story? And 99 times out of 100, it's, well, no, I haven't. You can think what you want about the LGBT community, you could be for that community, or you could be against that community, um, but, you know, whenever I talk to people about that community, I say, have you ever heard the story of someone who doesn't know whether God loves them because of the person they're attracted to? Have you ever heard that story from someone? Oh, no, I haven't. Here's the problem. We've been, uh, we've been lied to a little bit. I think the American church has done a great job at amassing information about learning instead of learning to do something. And here's the deal. Here's what I want us to know today, all right? Today, more important than anything else, the thing that I think will keep us most alive is if we stop looking at Christianity, our church, as an organization, and we start looking at our church as organizers, okay? Let's stop looking at, at our church. We're Christians. Is that, that's being a noun. We're Christians. This is a verb. We do. We go out. I think this is going to create continued success for our church. This is where our church thrives. This is where our church grows into the future. This is why we give money to our church, because we're no longer an organization. We are organizers. You guys want to be some organizers together? You know what I want to do today? I want to celebrate the fact that we're organizers, I want to challenge us to keep being it. But first, I want to wrap up Corinthians because we've been going through Corinthians. And we've been going through Corinthians on purpose. Um, just because I've always said this, they're a church that is just, there's so much like us. And what you see if you look at the themes of, Corinth, of the book of Corinthians, especially the first book, is you see this theme of knowledge, okay? They, they amass knowledge. They're knowledge amassers, okay? So, um, so Paul comes along. And by the way, have we begun to realize that Paul's like, that dude's a real piece of work, huh? That Paul? Are we, are we starting to figure that out? He's a heretic and a jerk and like really. So in the book of Corinthians, he uses the word knowledge when talking about the Corinthians something like 27 times. I can't remember the exact number. And every single time he says it, he's being sarcastic. Every single time he says, he's like, your knowledge gets you this. Your knowledge is getting you that. Your knowledge is bringing this about. Let's look at all the things that Paul says is happening because of the Corinthians' knowledge. You ready? Let's do it. Because of the Corinthians' knowledge, they're a church divided. They've created personality cults. They fight about who's smarter and wiser. They're immature like infants. They struggle with envy and jealousy. They're mere men. They're trying to destroy one another. I'm only on chapter three of a 16-chapter <laughs> book. Let's keep going. They fight over who's richer. They allow for gross immorality, such as incest. They sue one another. They settle their differences in immature ways. They're so messed up, Paul warns them they should anticipate chaos. They fight about diets and sex and meat eatings. They have disorderly gatherings. They falsely use their spiritual gifts, and they don't believe the same things about Christ and his death. That is an absolute mouthful. The, the thing, like, so people ask me, is the Bible true? Yeah, I believe the Bible's true. I believe the Bible's the inspired word of God. Why do I believe that? Because I feel like the Holy Spirit can speak through this right now. Like, what does amassing information get us? What is sitting back and having people you know, talk to us, get us. I think Paul's giving a warning to one church, but I would dare say this is universal. 
I think sitting back only brings factions, divisiveness. You've never heard two people argue about how to serve somebody better, right? You never heard two people argue about, hey, we're reaching out to this person. And somebody goes, ah, I think we should reach out to this person like this. And there's a big fight. No, you know when we start to argue as a church? We start to argue when we're talking about information. Well, I receive this information. Well, I receive that information. Let's create a new church, a new denomination. That is what's been killing the church. And so for us, I want to encourage us. This is a day of encouraging. I want to encourage us that I promise you we are as messed up as the Corinthian church. I promise you. But let's be encouraged by the fact that we are organizers. We're not an organization. We're doers. We're not going to sit back and amass information. So here's what Paul says to this this group. He says, here you are. Here's what your knowledge gets you. Here's how you are a mess, and here's how you stink. And then basically at the end of Corinthians, in chapter 15 and 16, he says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And then he says, stand on your guard, stand firm in faith, be courageous in action, be strong. So what he does is he says, you know what's going to stop this? He's using a lot of verbs here. Be courageous in action. Go out and labor for God. Go out and do something, make something. And here's what we know historically about this church. Historically, we absolutely know that this was one of the most active churches of all the ones Paul started, okay? They were so active. The church grew rapidly. We know that because they were organizers. Here's what else we know about this church. They had great enthusiasm. In fact, they had so so much enthusiasm that Paul sometimes had to tell them, hey, guys, you're having disorderly meetings. (laughs) I would say we've been guilty of a few disorderly meetings in our day. Um, you know, what else happened? What else did they do? Well, the church at Corinth, they actually would evangelize to uh, some of the pagan god or people who believed in these pagan gods and pagan temples. And there was like this really incredible conversion rate where they said like, you know, this thing doesn't quite work, but what we're doing makes sense. We are a community of organizers. And then the best thing, the thing that I love, they simply as a church, there's a lot on historical record of them contributing to the good of others. They're one of the most influential churches that, you know, to the point where in 300, when the Roman Empire decides they want to make Christianity the national religion, they pointed to a bunch of churches and they said, we want to do this because these churches are so good at helping others, we can basically make them our social services. Notice it wasn't the Roman Empire went, well, they have this couple letters circulating around and we're figuring out the authenticity of them, but if it works, we'll make them the national religion. No. It's, they're so good at helping, so good at doing that we want them to be our national religion. That is what keeps churches growing. That's what keeps churches moving. That's what's going to keep our church growing. That's what's going to keep our church moving. And here's who I want us to be, okay? I wrote it down. Um, yeah, I just wrote it down because I thought it was that important. And it's going to be up on the screen. Here's where, who we are going for. We are creative protagonists who have the power through the Holy Spirit to create a new future of the church as a school of love, which means that we are a school of listening, dialogue, appreciative inquiry, understanding, preemptive peacemaking, reconciliation, nonviolence, prophetic confrontation, advocacy, generosity, and personal and social transformation. We want to be organizers. These are the ways we're organized. This is what we're going to do as a church. And all those are giant, which means, guess what? You're going to be able to find your place in any of them. (laughs) I sort of did a giant so that nobody got left out. 
And this is why we also changed our vision statement quietly, prayerfully and quietly over the past couple months, we have changed our vision statement. Uh, I wanted to change our vision statement so uh, that we didn't have something so passive, but that, that we had something that called people to action, called people to be an organizer, not an organization. And so our vision statement says that we are an interdenominational faith community dedicating to cultivating a just and generous expression of the Christian faith. That's what I want us to do. That's where we're going as a church. That's why we give to TGIT. So how is it happening? Because it is happening. It's happening in all the videos that we watch, right? We're seeing some really cool things. How else should we celebrate our church as organizers? Um, Perry and Sue Ann Lee, this couple that goes to our church, they told me about a time that, uh, that they wanted this apartment, and then they found out they didn't get it. So they were pretty bummed out. And then the next day, somebody called back, and somebody said, oh, that was a mistake. You actually got the apartment. And they were like, my goodness, like, we want to use this apartment for good. We want to use it to help other people. And so that's what they did. What they do is people who are in transition, they let them stay at this apartment. People who need a little bit of help, they let them stay at this apartment. Just recently, Ben and Sarah, Sarah's parents came from Australia, and they moved out of the apartment and let Sarah's parents stay there, which I think is absolutely incredible. That is a just and generous expression of the Christian faith. That is what it means to be an organizer. That's what it means not to be sitting back and, and taking in knowledge. That's what it means to go out and change the world. That's who we are. M.M., who's on our greeting team, she said to me a couple weeks ago, it was super simple. She says, uh, I saw a, a couple greeters meet somebody after church and then just invite them to Hank's across the street with them. And, I don't, you know, Hank's. But, <laughs> but she goes, you know, it's just this simple gesture, this just and generous expression of the Christian faith. It's this simple gesture that says we don't sit back. We're doers, we're organizers, not an organization. We've been having these newcomer dinners. Raise your hand if you ever went to a newcomer dinner. A few of you? Yeah. We've been having them recently, and uh, I love them. They're some of my favorite things to go to, but one of the, the, the best things about it is like uh, John Avisha Fox, Travis and Jamie Randall, they opened up their homes to, every, to all of us. They bought the food. They made the food. They prepared and gave us the food, and then they cleaned everything up afterwards. And when I said thank you, they were like, it was our honor, both of them. It was our privilege. It was our honor. That is a just and generous expression of the Christian faith. That is a church that is full of doers. We are an or we're not an organization. We are organizers. There is a small group that is organizing around our together in this campaign, and I'm actually going to let them tell it in their own words, okay? They wrote this email, so I'm just going to read the email. This is Carolyn Taylor's small group, and this is what she says. Sometimes getting everyone excited about a church initiative is like pulling teeth. Not, yes. Not everyone is passionate about the same thing, so it was really amazing to see the immediate enthusiasm our group had for this campaign and all the creative ideas they have for giving, both on an individual level and as a small group. So here's what we decided, and I'm encouraged by everyone's enthusiasm, creativity, and generosity, and can't wait to work towards our goal. First, each member of the small group is encouraged to prayerfully examine their personal giving and make a recurring together in this pledge online. Part two. In addition, we're going to collect cash in Mr. Breeze Bear at small group each week. And there's a picture of Mr. Breeze Bear, I think. There he is. <laughs> we're going to count the money in Mr. Breeze Bear and use the information to decide what our monthly pledge will be. And then we'll fill out our Together in This card for the Crown Heights small group and bring Mr. Breeze Bear's cash to church as an offering once a month for the rest of 2016. Mr. Breeze Bear is very hungry and accepts gifts of any size for any reason. He ate just $30 tonight. 
But here are a few ways that members have already chosen to find cash. They've been doing incremental gift challenges, $1 this week, $2 next week, etc. There's a penalty for interrupting a small group or for cursing during small group. I like that. They do loose change collections. They make a sacrifice per week. They don't drink a coffee or have that lunch or drink that beer. Instead, they put it in Mr. Bree's bear. And they do a daily devotional challenge. So like every time you miss your prayer time or whatever, they just take a buck, whatever. Now, this is hilarious. And like Crown Heights Small Group, can we give it up for the Crown Heights Small Group? Seriously. Nice job. But this is a just and generous expression of the Christian faith. This is it. This is a group that's organizing. They're not the organization. They're the doers. They're saying, we make a difference. We will make a difference to the point where the national becomes the international, and this place is, is you know, just alive with the Spirit. That is why I love this church. One more story. Recently, uh, not too long ago, we had Mina's story up on the screen, and, and Mina talked about uh, how she had cancer. She talked about how it was a real struggle for her, and she talked about how there were members of this church who, um, who helped her through that, who sat with her during chemo and brought her food and, and all the rest. And it's really powerful and amazing. If you haven't got a chance to watch it, please watch it online. So that Sunday, someone comes up to Jen, and we'll call this person Rachel. Rachel comes up to Jen and says, oh my goodness, I was so impacted by Mina's story that I want to help. Is there a way that I can help? If there's somebody else at church who's sick or needs help, I, I just want to do that. And Jen said, okay, I'll keep an eye out. I'll, I'll take a look. The same day, there had been another woman coming to our church for about three weeks, three or four weeks. The same day, Jen goes and talks to her. This woman comes up to Jen and she goes, I've been suffering with cancer by myself for the past 18 months and I've had no one to help me. And I just watched Mina's video and Jen was like, I just talked to somebody who wants to help. And so this woman had to go through surgery. She went through a surgery recently. When she did, Jen and this other woman, Rachel, were there. They were there to give her food, and they were there to help with medicine, and they were there to bring the stuff she needed. And I heard this story, and I was like, God is at work in our church. When we decide that we're not going to be the organization, when we decide that we are organizers, that we are doers, God is absolutely at work. And I think about why we come here, what makes us alive. Why do we come here? What makes us alive? Is it to feel better? To acquire knowledge? To understand doctrine? To have all of our biases confirmed? Why do we come here? I think we should start coming here to be creative protagonists who have the power through the Holy Spirit to create a new future of the church as a school of love, which means a school of listening, dialogue, appreciative inquiry, understanding, preemptive peacemaking, reconciliation, nonviolence, prophetic confrontation, advocacy, generosity, and the personal, personal and social transformation, all in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you are here for that, if you are unified for that, then friends, we're in the right place. Amen? Amen? Why don't we pray? God, I am so thankful for this community. Uh, this community is a miracle. The fact that we're all sitting here breathing today, awake, is a miracle. God, I'm just so thankful for the miracle that is our church for the lives that we change. And Lord, I pray specifically for the lives that we're gonna continue to change, the ways that we're gonna continue to show a just and generous expression of your, of your faith, of, you, of who you are. 
And God, when we mess up and are disorderly and go down that list just like the Corinthians, God, we are so thankful for the grace that comes with that and that peace that passes all understanding. Heavenly Father, thank you for this and this space and this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A time right now of, offer, of offering. As you know, it's our last Sunday of Together in This. You guys want to know how much we've raised so far? Yes. yes. I don't know if I should tell you. <laughs> I'll tell Second Service. It's a good idea. Uh, we've raised a little over $220,000 so far. So we're almost there. Okay? It's exciting. So, according to my calculations, my back of the napkin math, we have about 30 grand to go. Uh, and it looks like we have enough people here to give 30 grand, so we're set. Um, here's what I want you to do. Uh, while the band is playing, uh, I want you to think about this church. Think about the way that you help organize in this church. Think about what you do at this church. And I want you just to give a little bit beyond what you're giving now. Maybe you, you can, you're pledging something, you don't have money right now. I know that my family got hit, we got crushed, and so I pledged a certain amount of money, and I'm paying it out just like I would having, you know, bought a car or something like that. But anyway, I'm doing that, and that works for me. But this is important. While we're sitting there, while we're thinking about how much it is we're going to give, what I would love us to do is I would love us to look around the room and say, you know, who's the next one that's going to experience just and generous Christianity? Who's the next person that this money goes to help? What's the next thing that we do that, that creates a just and generous expression of Christianity? What's the next thing we do that changes people to the point where governments are saying, that's what I want? I want to say, that. how will your money do that? And when you thought about that and you thought about how your money will work and, and, and what you'll do, I want you to come up here. And you could drop your Connect card. You could drop your offering. You could drop your um, pledge card, uh, whatever it might be, your prayer request. You could drop it in this basket. And then take communion. Take communion and celebrate the fact that there is a Jesus who says, you know what? There is nothing, nothing we have to worry about. That says, you know what? The way that you do allows me to work within you to bring peace to this kingdom. So right now, the band's gonna start playing. I want you to come up and celebrate with offering. Celebrate with what God does with, with communion. Thanks. Thanks.